0: All right, have you guys enjoyed the last two weeks? Yeah. Amen. I just want to share a couple thoughts with you, and then we'll close. We may have a question and answer session if you'd like to stay behind. Let me bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you again for this time. Thank you, Lord, for all that you taught us the last two weeks. And God, we are praying that you would continue to instruct us. You said, blessed is the man who you instruct. And so, Lord, we pray we'd always be learners at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's very interesting, when you're reading the scripture, you find a pattern that develops. When you read about creation, you find that God ends creation with this marriage ceremony that takes place with Adam and Eve. When you see the work of redemption, the very first thing Jesus goes to, the very first place he goes to, right after he's baptized, he goes to a marriage and then you read about glorification, and the Bible talks in Revelation about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so you see that anytime that God is in a phase, a major phase of working with humanity, whether it be creation, redemption, or glorification, He seems to signify something very special by a marriage activity. What's very interesting is this. God honors marriage. Amen? Amen. He loves marriage, and he blesses marriage. And especially when he is invited to be part of that marriage, he is going to take it to new heights and depths. It couldn't have gone if it was not with him. You know, it's very remarkable. I was thinking about all the married people I know, thinking about their marriage and the way it's it's been going. And it was very interesting. When you read John chapter 2 and Jesus shows up at a wedding, he helps out in the situation, and the master of the feast says something interesting. He says this. He says, normally, when I go to weddings, people bring out the, the best stuff in the beginning, and then they go to the, the decent stuff. But he says, this wedding is different because you brought out the good stuff, and it's only gotten better. When Jesus is part of your marriage life and your relationship, what you're going to discover is instead of it starting off really good and just sort of dwindling down or becoming like the rest of the world, just like the master of the feast said, it will have a very unique direction. It will become better. Amen? Amen. And then love will be unfolded and experienced in new ways if two hearts are submissive, to the spirit of God. I one time was speaking at a wedding and I told this to these people. I said this. I said a good man marries the woman he loves. Amen? Amen. A better man loves the woman he has married. I was trying to express this thought that love is to be a principle that is to be unfolding and extending and growing throughout the marriage relationship and oftentimes the feelings won't always be there. But it will be a principle that will be part of your existence together. And this relationship can glorify God more than probably any other kind of relationship that is earthly and human. God wants to bless you. And as you dedicate this to Him, He will lead and guide. Amen? My blessing for you as a pastor, a pastoral blessing is that you would find the right person, if you found the right kind of person, my blessing to you is that that would be an experience of you two coming closer and closer to God and reflecting his character, and I love what Josh says, learning more and more about your own self and where you yourself need to grow or change and, and head into that direction of becoming more Christ-like. Amen? All right, let's take the next few minutes, five minutes maybe, um, to do a Q&A. Talk about things that will permanently affect the rest of your life. Any questions? Yes, about anything we covered. Otherwise, I just like, okay, you guys are ready. Any questions anybody has about something we covered? I've asked you a lot of questions. You ask me a question now. Yes. Can you actually utilize this in your own life? Next question. Huh? I'm not going to repeat that question. <laughs> Anybody else? And the answer is yes, though, to that question. Yes. Both of you, then. Okay. <laughs> How are you utilizing it? How are my what? How are you utilizing the thing that you have to be? <laughs> <laughs> Next question again. Next question. Anybody else? Yes. Hand, hand, hand up over there. Yes. Okay. Would you recommend any other books for like, people to read who are maybe going into a relationship? Sure. Absolutely. You're, the question is, would you recommend any other kinds of books? You know what? There's a variety of books out in the, in the Christian world right now. You know, Letting God Write Your Love Story or I Kiss Dating Goodbye. You know, here's the thing. You're not to base everything upon one book. Everything should be based upon the scriptural principles and following the Spirit of God and getting guidance. But it's good to get a wide spectrum of authors because there may be things applicable to your life. My good friend Nicole Parker, she's writing a book and she has seminars on audio verse about relationships. But she said the name of her book is going to be called Crawling in Love. Crawling in Love. And I think that's going to be a wonderful guide as well that you maybe want to incorporate. But you have various authors and seminar speakers that I think like, you know, uh, what is it? Leslie Ludi and you have Josh Harris. You guys know it. You know, various books like that that would be really helpful. Seminars I think are really great. And just getting advice, you know. By the way, one of the worst things you do is this. One time, what you shouldn't do is this. I went to a seminar one time, right after I became Adventist with my friend. It was at GYC. This guy was talking about relationships. A lot of people were crowding it around him, okay? And so me and my friend were talking to him and said, hey, we just have a couple questions. And there's a lot of people just trying to get through. It was just very packed. And he's like, yeah. So he answered a question. He says, hey, I want to pray for you guys. And we're like, okay. And he puts, my, he puts his hand on me and he starts praying out loud. Dear God, Anel is single right now. And he's looking for somebody. I opened my eye, I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I mean, literally, everyone was shoulder to shoulder, and he was praying because I was single. I was just like, oh my goodness. So, what I'm trying to say in all of this is this when you want to talk to people, get mentors. You know, make sure you get some time apart so you can really share some thoughts what's going on. I, I Like I said, get godly mentors in your life. That's one of the best things you can do for your whole Christian experience. Yes, another question. Oh, yeah, um, I, I know there's a, there's a prevailing idea within, I guess, within Christendom. Okay. Well, you do find in Scripture one occasion or two occasions where that happens, and that is obviously Adam and Eve. I mean, there was no other women. (laughs) And then you have the story of Isaac and Rebecca. The other stories seem to indicate there is a right kind of person rather than a right person. And I think that's more of a balanced outlook to have. There is a right kind of person Because God doesn't want to remove your choice in the matter. Because he knows your choice is going to be a necessity in making that relationship work. And not just say, well, we're meant to be together. And regardless of how I treat you, this is the way it's going to be. You know what I mean? God doesn't want to remove that. So I really believe in this principle of a right kind of person. And that's why counsel is very important. In fact, it says in messages to young people, somebody asked. Ellen White, they asked her this question and said, hey, how how should I decide this? And she said, look, hey, she gave about three questions to ask that were guiding principles, you know. Is this person helping me follow the will of God more? Am I helping them? Can we both serve God together? And then she says, in the fear of the Lord, move forward when these questions can be answered very well, which tells us there seems to be more of this kind of choice and this uh, cooperation with God rather than God just saying... This is the one. Boom. That's it. You know what I mean? And I think that's a very healthy kind of outlook to have and a very balanced one. You know, if you want to go in life believing, hey, I know, you know, so-and-so, she's somewhere on the other side of the world, you're going to be looking for a long time. (laughs) But you should have high standards, so. But remember, the right kind of person, I believe, is a more balanced and more biblical picture that is being put out. So, anybody else? Yes. Um, I was wanting to ask, as a pastor, we've talked to many different couples, and I want to ask if you uh, notice a pattern some of the common mistakes. And there's a common—if you we were looking at cars, we might say, "Oh, I see a lot of tires on the side of the road, blown tires, those common mistakes." Okay. If you t- talk to a mechanic, the mechanic will probably give you a different answer because he knows the inner workings of the car. So, what phase are you talking about as far as the relationship? them getting together, them in the relationship, or them married? getting together, how that starts off. So your question is, is there any kind of patterns we should be aware of that aren't always uh, working very well for people who are getting into relationships? I'd say this. A few of the things that I have noticed and seen is this, um, is that they fail to take counsel. And oftentimes I've seen that those who fail to take counsel have higher chances of it failing uh, because they're not getting a third party, an unbiased opinion of what's happening. The second thing that I see too is there is too much too uh too much of hastiness that's taking place. No offense, Josh and <laughs> you know Jackie, but uh, that you know that was a blessing, and there were people who were surrounding them throughout that whole process as well, you know, and they had mentors too as well. But I think hastiness is probably one of the biggest common mistakes. Too fast, too quickly. You know, oftentimes we're thinking to ourselves, man, but this is the right kind of person. You know, here's the thing. If they're the right kind of person, it's going to be okay to slow down. You know I mean? Just think about it. I mean, what's, what's a, you know, a couple more months? You know what I mean? You're going to be spending 40, 50, 60, 70 years with this person. You know what I mean? If you guys can't wait like two or three months, something's wrong. You get my point? You know, and so... And, I mean, and if you feel like, man, we're going to detach if we kind of extend it, something's wrong also. You know, if there's too much of a hastiness going on both sides, they may betray this thought or this weakness that they have both failed to make Jesus a real trust uh, with their desires. And so they're quick to try to satisfy those desires with each other. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense. So honing in, going back to that, we'd say if we were going to hone in on a few things, we'd say definitely lack of mentor. Uh, we'd say they're too quick. And the third thing I would say is this. Um, they fail to practice or be involved in spiritual kinds of activities. In fact, what you'll find is one of them will be involved in spiritual activities and the other one may be not. And what, what takes place is they never learn together to be involved. When they're together, all they want to do is separate from people. And I think that's a big problem because then it just becomes about those two and they fail to see what, how the other person is acting around other people, how they'd be involved in church. I've seen that happen numerous times. So that's a very good question. Another hand. You want just so, how can you about... so your question is, how do you witness to somebody who's attracted to you? That is not believer. On the yeah, end. absolutely. Okay, how do you witness to someone who's attracted to you who's not a believer? Right. Okay, very good. It all depends on how you act. You know, if you're somebody that just starts playing with them and flirt with them and play with their emotions, obviously that's a really wrong thing to do. You know, if you know that they are not a believer and they don't go to the same church you do or they don't have the same kinds of beliefs, that's a big problem. You need to guard your behavior around them. If they say to you, hey, I want you you to talk to me about Jesus, but can we do it over a candlelight dinner at Olive Garden? (laughs) I mean, that should be a clear indication to you, you know, maybe this is going to turn into a little bit more. And that might be an opportunity for you to bring friends to be involved in that. Does that make sense? Bring friends. Here's the thing. Evangelistic dating rarely works. And if it works, I'm going to say this. I say this with all the love and kindness. If it works, the devil is really good at allowing one of the things that come from his department to work as a witness to other individuals. Wait a minute. It's not so bad. It works. In other words, he may allow one relationship that didn't start off right to be present in the church. And it shows everybody, look, ah, you can still make this work by getting together and trying to work through stuff. But I'll tell you this. The number of people I have baptized who were married to uh, believers. Say like they had like different church members. They were in the church and then they met an unbeliever. Then they got married. And the other person, maybe two years later, gets a revival. Nine times out of ten, that revival is temporary. They'll get baptized, they'll come to church once in a while, but they won't be keeping like, the Sabbath, they won't really be consistent. You'll find that there was that moment where they're just like, yeah, I'm excited. But they themselves never had a genuine experience, and that's nine times out of ten. I have seen that happen over and over and over and over again. I would avoid it. Absolutely avoid it. Absolutely. Keep boundaries. Healthy boundaries is key. I mean, if that person wants to spend alone time with you, make sure there are other people around, okay? I mean, seriously. If they're just, like, wanting to invite you into a dark corner, you know, to, can you please, let's study, you know, Ruth and Boaz, you know, something like that. You know, you should be like, huh, you know? I mean, it's pretty obvious when someone's attracted to you and they're starting to display a certain kind of behavior. When you start noticing that behavior, you know, don't be afraid from then on to use body language, or other people to be involved in that, you know? Does that make sense? Because yeah. that's very important. Yes, question over there. No, um, in relation to um, what was Personally experience My personal experience is that um, it's not safe to get to, um, one of the direct weaknesses to the person who may be attracted to you who is not a Christian. That's right. But That's right. and you know what also happens that's right yeah. that's right that's right one of the other things that happens, too, is if they end up getting baptized and going to church, they have now built a spirituality that's based on your relationship with them. And when your relationship with them breaks off, you know what begins to take place? They're now stuck in a church, in a place. When they see you, they're hurting. And eventually, they don't want to be, they don't want to be there. And I've seen that happen multiple times, too. So refer, them to- refer them to the uh, male or female Bible workers, one of your other friends, or always do it in group things. But if you need to state boundaries, state your boundaries and just say, look, here's the thing, I, I'm not interested, I, I'm your friend, but I want to make that very clear. Very clear. Yes? I don't mean to be redundant, but just what if the person is, um, has grown up in the, church, in the church? You know, the person you know, kind of They grew up in the church. There's a lot of, <laughs> like I said, the demoniacs were in the church too. So, um, all I'm simply saying is... Make sure they are a Bible believing, Jesus loving, ministry involved Christian, where there's consistent behavior that's righteous. Here's the thing. You read all of Scripture right before the children of Israel um right before the flood took place, you have the children of Israel mixing with the world. And it led to the destruction of the the world at the time. Right before the children of Israel were about to go into the Holy Land, the Moabites came in, and they mixed with them as well. And then, so, what the devil has done in the past, he's going to do again, he is doing again. And it's successful. He uses, or reuses, his successful tactics. It is very successful. Yes? So, there's a lot of emphasis placed on finding the right person, or the right kind of person to love. And um, I feel like less on how to love. So, how do you, and that seems unlike. That God loves. So how do you reconcile finding the right person to love with loving a person unconditionally regardless of who they are? Here's the thing. I would say this, that um, when it comes to salvation and trying to see a person eternally saved, that is a, a good reason to love them unconditionally. When you're dealing with romance and you permanently bonding yourself where you're going to have children one day, that's a different kind of criteria and a framework you're working under. You know, you, don't, you know, God has given us various kinds of relationships. Every kind of relationship has its perspective and worldview. The way you treat your son is not the way you treat your wife. Right? The way you treat your wife is not the way you treat your, your mom. There are different kinds of relationships. And so when it comes to your relationship with God and how you minister to those people out in the world versus the relationship with your wife, those are two different kinds of categories. But the best way to ultimately learn how to love regardless of any category is your own personal walk with Jesus. Because when you learn to love, the elements of your personal walk with Jesus will apply to every single kind of category regardless. But that is where true love comes from. It comes from your walk with Jesus, praying for true love, praying for God to put heavenly love in your heart because it is, because it is not earthly. It is not earthly, but God can give it to everybody who wants it. Okay. Yes? Last question. Last question. Yes, you. Oh. I just wanted to say an answer to that. Love before the wedding is conditional. Love after the wedding is unconditional. Oh, I like that. Very good. Very good. By the way, he is a wedding counselor, a marriage counselor, not a wedding counselor. And him and his wife, they offer, um, really quickly, maybe at the very end of this, you can share what you're going to offer. So we'll make that the last question. Yes? Um, like, you mentioned biblical stuff about unconditionals in the person, right? Yeah. Like, the other person. But are there anything in the Bible that are, like, unconditional as far as, like, the timing in my life? Like, do you understand? Like, when we should start? Like, are there certain unconditional things that should be, uh, we should be doing before, before that? Before the actual relationship? Yeah. Or when you're in the relationship? Before you, start, like, before you actually found a person. Yeah. Things you need to do in your life as a single person. Non-negotiables you see in somebody else or in yourself that you need to develop, characteristics you need to develop. Absolutely. The Bible talks about so many things that are very good for a person to have that you may want to first make sure you have before you even think about a relationship. And that is number one, make sure you have consistency in your walk with God. That it's not something that just happens once in a while, but there's consistency. Number two, I think one of the best practices uh, in preparation for, ex- for marriage... And that relationship is getting involved in different kinds of ministry. I mean, it really is. Because you're involved working with, you know, angry people, loving people. You're involved with every kind of spectrum of mind. You learn how to love those who don't love you. You learn how to reach out to people. You know, learning how to get rejected at the doors is good preparation for when you're wanting to meet that person and wondering, how in the world am I gonna win her heart? You see what I'm saying? Evangelism is the best preparation for marriage. So I think those things, in my mind, need to be absolutely established. You have a walk with God. You have a, um, uh, you're connected to the church. You're involved. I also think something that needs to take place is you need to make sure you've got established mentors in your life. I think where you are in your life, like even financially or, or where you're about to be, is extremely important. You know, I used to tell everybody a long time ago, I said, hey, look, before you get into a dating relationship or before you get married, make sure you have $10,000 in your account. $10,000 in your account. And uh, from all the the college students, I heard this groaning, you know, we have $10,000 debt, you know? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I really recommend that you try to be as best as possible, somewhat financially stable. It's super important because you're going to be surprised when you're having to pay for somebody else and how quickly your bank account gets deleted. And especially during the uh, courtship phase, all the way down. You know what I mean? But being a person who knows how to work with money, being economical, learning, learning how to just be like, okay, look, I want to be careful with my money and how I spend it, okay? So I would say, you know, one of the best things I could recommend to you as a single person, if you have not watched Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Seminar and you have gone through it, I mean, it will take you to a whole new level of finances. And I wish I watched this several years ago, but as a young person, you can learn healthy biblical principles of being a good steward. I would totally recommend that and that will help in having greater chances of success in your marriage walk. Hey, um, really quickly, I'm going to invite you guys up to the front. I want you guys to hear this. He's going to share something very briefly with us. But this is how you can continue learning and growing. Why don't you just tell him what you're going to do this summer and what you have done last summer. A couple summers ago, my wife and I ran into people in this area and the reason why I did it is because I'm a marriage counselor and I realized a lot of people just aren't getting married right
1: around <laughs> here. I don't have a job if people
0: aren't getting married. <laughs> so we decided to start a dating uh, dating course and so it was actually pretty uh, well attended and we had a lot of success, success stories afterward and so we had people ask classes we should do it again. So we're going to hopefully do it again this year, this summer and if you're interested just let me know I'll sign up. sheet in the back and we'll That's right. He's going to be incorporating a lot of the things we talked about the last two weeks and extend them out to be able to get more in-depth. I think that's super important. Invest in this kind of stuff, and you'll reap the benefits. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bow. I want us to bow our heads. I want to pray with you guys right now. Thank you so much again. You have really blessed me and the Revelation of Hope singers. We are so grateful for you. I want to pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for these people. Lord, the very fact that they're here is because there's a desire to want to follow you. Lord, would you please bless them for that. That you would grow them and educate them and prepare them for the various phases of human existence. And I pray that in each phase they would be successful and they would honor you. And Lord, during this time of waiting, like Jackie said, may they be servants. May they be faithful and wait upon you. Thank you, Father, that you will finish the work you started in them. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.